And now it's time to open up God's Word. So please turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. That's Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, and it should be up on the screen as well. Please follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of God. Thanks, John. Um, can we turn to the people next to us and say, welcome to Kingsway? And turn to the other side and say, it's good to see you. All righty. You've joined us for a series that started last week called Side by Side. Um, This year's theme is about walking with God. And this uh, series is Side by Side, Running Together, Walking with God. Uh, This relationship that we have with one another in the church uh, highly influences the depth of our relationship uh, with God. And so last week I talked about how we should be devoted to one another. Uh, We should um, really commit to the service, but not only the service, to this community. Right? When we looked at Acts chapter 2, the early church met you know, every day, right? and they were truly devoted to one another in a bunch of ways. And today, I want to talk about the topic of forgiving one another, right? forgiving one another. Now, I can't help but feel that more and more, our world has seemed to have forgotten about forgiveness. Right? We live in the world of cancel culture, uh, where it feels like you commit one misstep, Uh, You have one misspoken word, and immediately uh, you are publicly shamed, and you face the full weight of justice. This world feels really kind of intent on on justice and accountability. Um, And it doesn't even have to be what you said today. Sometimes it's like what you said 10 years ago. You tweeted something when you were like 18, and someone discovers it, and they, they hang it over you. 
Now, I want to be clear, justice is important. And our God is a just God. He loves justice. He pursues justice. But it just feels like in this present moment right now, uh, that as the world is particularly championing and pursuing justice, that forgiveness has been lost. Right? In the pursuit of justice, it feels like forgiveness has been lost along the way. Now, forgiveness shouldn't be lost as we pursue justice any more than justice should be lost as we pursue forgiveness. Right? Those two things should really ideally go hand in hand. They're not opposites. Sometimes we feel like you've got to choose one. You're either going to forgive or you're going to pursue justice, but you can't have both. The reality is you can have both. It's just tricky. Right? And we see that God is both. Right? He pursues both. And we see that particularly at the cross where he was both just because he, he um, satisfied sin, um, the condemnation of sin, but he was also able to forgive us. Right? And so you can be both, it's just tricky. But what I want to focus on today is that forgiveness. This value that seems to be a little bit lost in our world today. Because forgiveness for Christians, it's central. It's central to our faith. Right? It's the heart of our identity, and it's the motivator that drives a lot of our activity. Right? We know that we are meant to be a people of forgiveness. And so I want to talk about us forgiving. Now in the Bible, we find forgiveness all throughout the Scripture. It's right in the beginning. You can find it in Genesis. But even our Lord Jesus, when He taught His disciples to pray, right, in the Lord's Prayer, He puts forgiveness right there. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And as Jesus ascended to heaven, even the early church, right, the followers of Jesus continued to tell the church, forgive. For example, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, the, um, sometimes the narrative of the world as it pursues justice, um, the, the thought could be that there are times when forgiveness is wrong. Right? I don't know if you've ever felt that way, you've heard such a thing. That perhaps if you forgive at the wrong time or you forgive the wrong person, uh, it's actually the wrong thing. Right? If you forgive someone um, who has done wrong to you, maybe you're empowering them to continue to do wrong. And so the world sometimes says forgiveness isn't always the right answer. That maybe that there is a limit to forgiveness. And I think maybe Peter had similar worries. Maybe he wondered if there was a limit to forgiveness. Because as we begin our passage, he, he, he begins by asking Jesus a question. And the question is in verse 21. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and do I forgive him? Right, as many as seven times. And I wonder if the heart of Peter is asking, do I just really keep forgiving? Because that person's going to take advantage of that. They're going to keep you know, doing wrong to me and expect that I forgive. So what's the limit to forgiveness? And the, the, the number he gives is maybe seven. Now, seven doesn't seem like a lot, but it's actually quite generous. Because back then in the Jewish, kind of the Jewish standard, uh, in the Talmud, which was the book that the Jewish rabbis would teach from, the number that the Talmud gave was three. So the Jewish rabbis would teach, you should forgive you know, three times. And after three times, maybe you can stop forgiving. And so Peter, knowing that Jesus valued forgiveness, he was like, I'm going to double it and add an extra one. Seven. Maybe we'll forgive seven times. Right? And seven is also a, a number that you know, symbolizes perfection and wholeness. But this is the answer Jesus gives. He says that for the followers of Jesus, forgiveness looks much more radical. I do not say to you seven times, 
but 77 times. He takes that number that's whole and then he kind of multiplies it. Now it's 77 times or it could be 70 times 7, right, as some people argue, which would then be 490 times. Right, so you can pick 77, 490. The, the point isn't to figure out what the number is because really that goes against the point of Jesus. Because the point Jesus is trying to make is not find the num number and stick to it, but there is no limit. Forget, for, forgive without counting is basically what he's saying. Right, we're not going to have like a notes app on our phone and you know, tally up, I forgave Paul again. And you, know, you add it up and when you go from 77 to 78, you're like, no more, Paul, no more. Right? That, that doesn't make sense, right? It's not that we tally it, it's that we don't even keep count. Right? That there is no limit to Christian forgiveness. And so here's the command, forgive. Forgive one another without any limits. Despite what it feels like the world is saying, and again, I'm not saying justice is important, but forgive without limits. It is always right. It is always God's will that you would forgive in your heart. That doesn't mean you don't pursue justice on the outside, but in the heart, in the inside, always forgive. And then you might then exact justice, right? If there's actually been laws broken, you call the police, yes, but in your heart, always forgive. Because if you don't forgive in your heart and you try to pursue justice, you'll probably not end up pursuing justice, you'll be pursuing revenge. So you forgive in your heart, you may pursue justice, but it begins here, always forgive. This gives Jesus an opportunity to launch into the parable, which makes up the heart of today's passage. And I th I'm going to assume most of us have heard this parable. I'm not going to go through it verse by verse, but I'm going to summarize it so we're all on the same page. Now, in this parable, we are introduced to a servant. And this servant owes a king a lot of money. It's so much money, he can never pay it back. And so the king decides to sell the servant and his family into slavery. And that was, at that time, culturally appropriate. It's put them into slavery so they can work to pay off their debt. So that's what's going to happen. But we read in verse 26, the servant, he fell on his knees and he implored the king, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant, the king, he released him and he forgave him the debt. He had a lot of money. He couldn't pay it. He was going to be sold into slavery. But he said, please forgive me. And the king forgave him the whole debt, right? And then the servant goes out. And basically we see the same thing happen with him and a different servant, a fellow servant. So he goes to someone else who owes him money now. And the servant says to him, give me my money. Right? But this guy won't pay him. And basically the response that, that that other servant gives is nearly word for word what the servant says. His fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you, right? It's, it's exactly the same, except it's just missing one word. But this time, he doesn't say, don't worry about it. He throws him into prison. The king finds out about this. And when he finds out, he's angry. And he takes that original servant. And then he says, how can you not forgive? How can you not give mercy as I've given mercy to you? And so he puts him into prison as well. And then Jesus ends with this warning in verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you do not forgive, your father will condemn you and judge you. Forgive as your father has forgiven. Right, and so we in this parable, we're, we're the servant. Jesus or God is the king. 
And he's forgiven us of a great debt. And now we are meant to go out and forgive others who may have wronged us. Right? That's the point of the parable. The key to this parable is verse 33. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? As we've received mercy, we give mercy. Right? As we've been forgiven, we've forgiven. Right? That's, the, that's the key. But today's challenge is this. Forgive without limits. You know, for us to be devoted together, again, that was last week's passage. We need to begin here. We cannot be you know, really able to serve and love one another unless we forgive. And maybe some of us, we, we have uh, unforgiveness towards some people in this room. You got some anger or bitterness, something that they did that was big. Maybe something that they did was really small, but it's still, you know, you still carry it around with you. We need to forgive if we are ever to be united as a church, if we are ever to run along side by side. Right? The road to love must first cross the bridge of forgiveness. We must cross this bridge. And so through today's sermon, if you're reminded of someone in the room or maybe even not in the room, right? maybe they don't go to church, if God puts it in your heart or puts it in your mind, right? that, that's the challenge. Forgive them, right? no matter what they've done to you. Wrestle with that. That's the command, forgive. Now, there is a cost to forgiveness. Right? Even though we're commanded to forgive, let's not pretend it's easy. It's hard. There's a reason why when Jesus tells this parable, he tells it in the negative. Right? He tells it in an example of someone who fails to forgive. Right? Because it's hard. There's a reason why Jesus ends with a warning. Forgive because it is hard. It is difficult. And the reason why it's difficult is because there is a cost to forgiveness. When we forgive, it actually costs us something. We need to give up something. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but why does Jesus give a parable about people owing each other money to talk about forgiveness? Right? Why doesn't Jesus give a parable about, you know, someone got hurt, their feelings, and they forgave? He doesn't do that. He tells a parable about borrowing money, being in debt, and then letting the debt go. And I think it's for two reasons, right? There are two connections we can kind of pull out of this. The first is that just like in this parable where money is owed, when people have hurt us and we don't forgive them, there is a debt that we feel that is owed to us, just like with money. Right? When someone has wronged us, we feel that they owe us. You owe me. You're indebted to me. You've taken something from me and now you owe me for the pain that you've caused me. And it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's a big betrayal or it's a small insult, whether we're going to carry it for an hour or we'll carry it for our whole lifetime. In our hearts, what we're really saying is, you owe me something. You owe me an apology. And I'm not going to let it go until you give me what I deserve. Right? You owe something good to outweigh the bad you've done. Right? And so you owe me that. I'm going to hold it on onto it until you give me that. You owe me suffering. Just as I've suffered, you need to suffer. Payback. And until that happens, I will not let it go. And maybe we don't even know what we're holding on to, but we feel like they owe us something. The second similarity is not only that a debt is owed, but that a debt is then absorbed. Now, what do I mean by that? When the king told the servant, I forgive you of your debt, it's not as if like the debt like magically disappeared and no one lost anything. 
Right? Well, when, the, when the king said, I forgive you for the 10,000 talents, he lost 10,000 talents. Right? That's how it works. That was his. That was his money. It was rightfully his. And by saying, don't worry about it, he was losing out $10,000. He was absorbing that debt on himself. He carried the cost of that debt on himself. And that's why forgiveness is hard. Because when we forgive, it feels like we're losing something that is rightfully ours. I deserve that apology, but I'm going to give it up. And there is something that you lose, right? You absorb that debt yourself. When we give up that apology, when we give up that desire to see them suffer, when we give up revenge, we lose something. It costs us, and that's why it's difficult. When people say, just forgive, it's easy, it's not. Because it genuinely costs us something. There is a cost to forgive, and yet we are still commanded to do it. It's hard, but we still do it. And a part of the reason we still forgive and we're commanded to forgive is because even though there is a real cost to forgive, there is a greater cost when we don't forgive. The cost to not forgive is even greater. And there's two costs I want to talk about. When we don't forgive, we will not be free and we will not be forgiven. When you don't forgive people, you are not free and the Bible says you will not be forgiven. And by not being free, that brings greater pain for you today. And by not forgiving, it will bring you greater pain in the future when you come stand before God in judgment. The first one, you will not be free. Right? This brings us greater pain in the present. Now, today's passage doesn't mention this. So I'm just going to talk about it quickly. But Jesus said he came to set us free. And the path that Jesus calls us to live is a path of freedom where we say no to sin and we embrace a life of freedom. But when we embrace sin, we are not free, right? That's what the passages say. We are slaves to sin. Now, forgiveness is what we're commanded because forgiveness is good for us. It actually sets us free. But when we don't forgive, we're actually making ourselves slaves. We're weighing ourselves down. Now, Jesus calls us to forgive because it's better for us. You know, we, we think that, you know, when... I don't forgive, I'm going to bring some sort of pain to the other person. They don't deserve this, so I'm going to hold on to this unforgiveness because they deserve pain. But the irony is when we hold on to unforgiveness, we don't bring them pain, we bring ourselves pain. And we're only allowing the past to continue to hurt me in the present. That's what unforgiveness does. We're not free, we're actually weighing ourselves down. So we need to forgive because it's good for us and it will set us free. It's like a person who stores up like rocks or stones. And every time someone hurts you, in your anger, you're like, I'm going to want to store this in my heart. This is what you did to me. I can't believe it. And and I'm not letting this go. And whenever someone brings up their name, we're we're like, this is what they did. And maybe we think we're going to use it as ammunition one day and we're going to throw it at them. But, you know, we're probably not because we're just going to be quiet and we're just going to keep it here. And we store it right here. That's where we store unforgiveness, right? When someone owes you financial debt, you might store that ledger in a book. Maybe you keep that in your phone. But when you store up emotional debt and unforgiveness, we don't store that in our mind. We store that in our heart. And we're just storing it up right here. And over time, it's like you're piling on the rocks in your heart and you're just carrying it around with you. And who are you inconveniencing? 
Who are you weighing down? Who are you hurting? Not them, it is yourself. I don't know if you've ever run into someone that has hurt you and you're like so angry inside, I'm so angry and bitter, and they're just happy. They're just laughing and it makes you even more angry. Like, how could you be so happy when you've done this to me? A lot of times they have no idea. They don't even know they've hurt you. They don't even feel like they're indebted to you because that's the way it works when we hold on to unforgiveness. A lot of times it only affects us. We are not allowing us to be free when we hold on to unforgiveness. But the second thing is, Jesus says we will not be forgiven. And this will bring greater pain in the future when we stand in judgment. Jesus says in verse 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. When the king found out that the servant didn't forgive, he threw him into prison. And Jesus is saying, that's what God the Father is going to do to you if you do not forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You know, after Jesus taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he adds on this little bit. It's like the only thing he adds on to the Lord's Prayer. It's like, I just need to clarify this thing. It's very important. He says in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Right? It's the same thing. Forgive or you will not be forgiven. Now it's a little complicated. What does this mean? At first glance, it seems like what's being said is that my forgiveness of other people is going to influence God's forgiveness to me, right? Whether God will forgive me. But the heart of it is really the other way around. That God's forgiveness toward me is so incredible, it's so vast, it's so immeasurable that it must influence the way that I forgive other people, right? It must. There's such a deep heart transformation that occurs when we encounter salvation and forgiveness from God that I must forgive other people. And that if I am unwilling to forgive other people, then it puts into question whether I have truly encountered forgiveness from God, right? That's really at the heart of it. Our forgiveness of other people will never earn God's forgiveness towards us. It never works that way, right? If you look in the, the rest of the Bible, if you look at the gospel, even in this passage, right, the king forgives first, right? That's how it works. The king forgives first. Our forgiveness to other people never earns God's forgiveness towards us. Perhaps it may disqualify our forgiveness from God, but he never earns it. God's forgiveness to us is free. We receive it. Are we grateful hearts and we watch the gospel then flow out of our hearts to other people. And this is the third and final point. That is the key. The forgiveness we've received from God is what gives us capacity to go on and forgive other people. It gives us the capacity to live out this command. Even though there is such a high cost, even though it, I lose out on forgiving other people, when I really sit under the forgiveness of God, that is what enables me to forgive others. Now, when I first read this parable, I kind of sympathized with the servant. I kind of felt bad for him. Because <laughs> it's a big ask for him to just go after someone and be like, don't worry about all the money you owe me. Because the money that uh, he was owed was not trivial. It wasn't small. Verse 28 says that he was owed 100 denarii. Now, one denarius is about a day's work. 
And so one is a day's work. So 100 denarii is about 100 days work. And if the servant earned $50,000 a year, then that's about $13,700. Let's round it up, $14,000. He was owed $14,000. It's not that easy to be like, don't worry about $14,000. If, if you found $14,000 in your pocket, that's a lot of money. You could do a lot of things, but we'd be very, very happy. If I owed you $14,000, would you be like after church service? I heard a great sermon about forgiveness. Don't worry about the $14,000. A lot of money. Don't you feel bad for this servant? And again, I think that's how we feel about our hurts. It's a lot to give up. You don't know what that person has done to me. You don't know what that person has said. You don't know what they owe me for the pain that they've caused me. It feels like $14,000. But here's the key. Verse 33. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You see, even though it is great cost, to forgive. And even though it feels like they've done a lot to us, when you look at God's forgiveness to us, it makes that seem small in comparison. The servant was owed 100 denarii, about $14,000. But what he owed the king, the passage says, is 10,000 talents. Now, if one denarius is about one day's worth of work, one talent is about 20 years of work. So one talent. But he didn't owe the king one talent. He owed him 10,000 talents. And so if you do the maths, that's 200,000 years of work. If you earn 50,000 a year, that's about $10 billion. If you live 100 years, that's 2,000 lifetimes worth of work. The servant owed the king 2,000 lifetimes worth of debt. The key to forgiveness is not to minimize our pain and pretend like it's small or the cost of forgiveness doesn't exist. It exists. But it's in not minimizing that, but in enlarging, enlarging our appreciation of the forgiveness that God has given to us. And when we see how great God's grace is, how vast God's mercy has been to me, how immeasurable my debt was to Him, then we get to see our forgiveness to other people in light of that. And it begins to seem smaller. Our debt to God was so immeasurable that Jesus uses an immeasurable number. We did not wrong God a small amount. We have not failed just a little bit. Our sins have earned us the just judgment of God, the just punishment of God to be contend, condemned to death and to spend eternity away from Him in hell. That is what we have earned. That is what we have rightfully deserved. And any failure to acknowledge that is because we don't take sin as seriously as we should. We treat sin much lighter than we should. God sees sin as it is. And our sins have earned us that punishment. And that was a debt we could never pay to God. We can never pay it back. We can never work our way out of that, just like in the parable. It is 2,000 lifetimes to even attempt to pay it back. But just like in this parable, our King, Jesus, He forgives us our debt. 
He cancels our debt. But when he cancels it, he doesn't, doesn't just magically disappear. He absorbs the debt on himself. He bears the cost on himself. And so our king, Jesus, he went to the cross. He bore our sin and he absorbed the cost to forgive you. And so Jesus, he took your judgment. He received your punishment. He died your death. The cost to forgiveness is high. It took an infinite God to pay your immeasurable debt. That was the cost for Jesus to forgive us. The cost for you to forgive the person that hurts you may be large, but you probably will not die to forgive them. And yet our Lord, our King, our Savior, He paid that cost for you. $13,000 pales in comparison to 2,000 lifetimes of debt and $10 billion that we were set free from, right? As we sit under God's mercy and grace, as we are reminded and our hearts are rekindled to the forgiveness we have received, that is what gives us the capacity to turn to people who have truly hurt us, who have taken from us and say, I forgive you just as I have been forgiven. This is the work of God in our hearts. As we begin to understand the gospel, the forgiveness we've received, not only will we want to forgive, he will give us the strength to be able to forgive, to be kind to one another, to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so that's it. That's the command. Simple, but very hard at the same time. Forgiveness comes at a cost, and yet we have been forgiven much more. The late uh, Tim Keller um, passed away recently. Um, he has a book called Forgive, great book. Um, from this book, he, from this passage, he points out kind of four practical steps that someone might take uh, in order to forgive. And so again, if someone came to mind through this sermon, I want to encourage you to maybe go through these four steps as you come to them, okay? So this is how the king forgave. Number one, uh, he confronted um, the situation. This is the first thing we need to do. We need to confront it. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, you may not confront them. You may not confront the person, but, you know, you need to confront it. You need to confront the, the, the pain. You need to confront what they did. Uh, unless you acknowledge what has happened, how could you forgive it? Right? If you're going to let go of it, you need to first hold it in your hand. So you hold it in your hand, and you need to come face to face with what happened. Come face to face with the pain and the hurt and the situation where you need to confront it. And the second thing that uh, Keller says, and th sorry, th these titles I just kind of made up, and so it's not what he said uh, technically. But verse 27, out of pity for the servant, the king released him and forgave him the debt. So this is the second one, we take pity. When we're hurt, a lot of times we tend to focus on me, my pain, my loss. I can't believe I'm going through this stuff. Uh, but to take pity requires the internal heart work to consider them. Consider their situation. Or consider where they're coming from. Consider their past hurts and begin to understand them. 
But as Christians, it's important to understand them. And most important, that they are not too different from me. They've hurt, but so have I. They've done great wrong, but so have I. They are sinners who've sinned, but so am I, right? Especially when it comes to God. Knowing the sinful depravity of our hearts, it's important to acknowledge that could be me. That probably is me to other people, right? And there, but for the grace of God, go I. Right? That could be me if not for the grace of God. And no matter what wrong they've done, that could easily be me. Third, we absorb the debt. Out of pity, the master of the servant released him and he forgave his debt. Right again, just as I have received forgiveness I have not deserved, I'm going to extend a forgiveness to this person, even though they don't deserve it. And that thing that I feel like they owe me, I'm going to absorb that debt. I'm going to lose on that, and that's fine. I'll sacrifice it. The payback, the revenge, their suffering, I'll let it go. And fourth, be reconciled. When the master, he forgave him the debt, he, he released the servant. He didn't send him into prison and therefore destroy that relationship. By releasing him, the servant remained a servant to the king. And as f- until he got thrown into prison later, um, their relationship was okay. It was just as normal. Let's pretend the thing didn't happen. If you never want to see the person who's hurt you, um, you may not have fully completed that work of forgiveness. If you're like, I never want to see him again. I want to avoid them for the rest of my life. You may not have yet fully completed that work of forgiveness. Jesus says much more about reconciliation elsewhere. Matthew 5, there's a big chunk of verses there about reconciliation. Um, he says in Matthew 5, um, love your enemies and pray for them. Right? That's the extent to which we should reconcile. He says, uh, if you're coming into service, basically, and someone's angry at you, drop your offering and go be reconciled with them. And this isn't, if you're angry at someone, go and be reconciled to them. That's not what he says. He says, if they're angry at you, they're angry at you, and you remember, oh, yeah, that person's angry. They're totally out of line, but they're angry at me. He says, drop your offering and go be reconciled to them. Okay, so being reconciled is very important. It's another topic but we try to be reconciled. Now, you may try to be reconciled to them and they may not want it. Okay, you've, you've done what you can, right? You just do what you can to bridge that gap. If they don't um, accept that, there's nothing you can do. But the reason the relationship remains broken should not be because of you. Okay, they're the four steps. I said a lot. Let me summarize. This is the command. Forgive without limits. It doesn't mean there's no place for justice. There can be. But it's always right first in your heart to forgive. The cost is hard. There is a cost. But the cost of not forgiving is far worse. You will carry that burden around in your heart. You will not be free. And in judgment, you will not be forgiven. So how do we do it? The key to finding the capacity to forgive is to understand the forgiveness we've already received. Just how amazing God's grace is. And so here are the four that you may want to do. Confront it, take pity, absorb the debt, and be reconciled. Who has God put on your mind or in your heart? The challenge is to truly forgive them in our hearts. 
Why don't we spend a bit of time in prayer? If there is someone that God has brought to mind, I invite you to wrestle through this. To first thank God that he has forgiven you, even though you, know, you and I, we, we are messed up, broken, wretched sinners. Thank you, God, that you forgive me. Help me to appreciate the forgiveness I've received. Understand this, my sin is as deep as the ocean, and yet your grace and mercy is deeper still. We thank God for his forgiveness toward us. And then would you pray that God would help you to forgive that person? Pray that God would give you the strength and conviction. And would you obey and go do it? But even now, would you pray for that person? I find that oftentimes when I want to forgive someone, praying for them, that God would help them, that God would be with them, that God would bless them, does a work in my heart to help me forgive. And so maybe you can do that as well. Um, But let's just wrestle with the idea of forgiveness and forgive the people in our lives. Let's pray.